Hey y'all, this is Sam. And this is Steven. And this is Crimeology. This is episode 40. Um, and it's almost been a year of Crimeology, so that's super cool. But anyways, I tried to get Steven. Um, we, we were going to put an episode out last week um, around Thanksgiving, since we have a lot of people from all over the world who listen who don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, but I hit a deer. So I didn't have a car, and so I was trying to get Steven just to do an episode by himself, but he wasn't taking me up on it. Listen, number one, I sound horrible right now. I, I, I'm, I'm just hoping allergies. That's that's just what we're going to go with. <laughs> but listen, there's no way that I could carry a whole episode of this by myself. So uh, we kind of just decided, let's just take off the whole week. And also, you were traveling too. Right. So... So here we are. So here we are, episode episode forty. 40. Um, so we're just gonna jump right into it. So I start every episode talking about where I came across this case, and we're going back to our TikTok days. I found this. There's a lot of like missing people cases that come up on my TikTok, and so this is one of those. So we're talking about 19 year old Brandon Swanson, who was last heard from on May 14th, 2008. So Brandon was celebrating finishing his first year of college and had a couple of parties that he wanted to go to on this night. So he starts by leaving his school that's in Marshall, Minnesota. From there, he goes to Lind, which is 7.3 miles from Marshall, making it a 12-minute drive. And for reference points, I'll be, I'll be doing this. Basically, Lind is like southwest of Marshall. For all you people who need like visual, like me. <laughs> so there you go. Um, he stays at this party for a while. He drinks a couple of beers. And then he leaves somewhere between 10.30 and 11.30 p.m. So friends from this party said when Brandon left that he was definitely not intoxicated. And that he seemed pretty level-headed. Which also, that's really kind of funny to me. That I mean, like, obviously never been to a party. Don't want to go. Um... That like, there's a whole hour in there. Like it was ten thirty. Oh, it was eleven thirty. You, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like that seems. I mean, like I'd, that's what in like, I don't want to say just missing people cases and, but like cases in general, they'll be like, well, he left between like ten thirty and eleven thirty. I'm like, that's a whole hour. Like, yeah. I mean, like it, it'd be different if he could have done like, a whole lot more than just left. Oh, you yeah. know. Well, and and like yeah, like he could have like. Like, even if they would have said between, like, if they would have said, like, between 11 and 11.30. Right. Okay, perfect. Or, you know, 10.30 and 11, whatever. If it's, like, if it's within 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, yeah, that seems fairly Because I'm like, that's a whole hour. So, you're telling me that nobody checked a phone in that hour and was like, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yes, I get what you're saying. So, from this party in Lynn, he goes to Canbury, which... Um, is about 32.5 miles away, and this is making it a 28-minute drive from Lind. And so, sorry here, um, but like, so Canby is like northwest of Marshall, so basically he would have to like drive through Marshall again to get up to Canby, in theory. So, like, he has to go back through or, you know, kind of go around Marshall to to get to this next one. 
So at this party, he only has one shot and then he stays for a while. And then about midnight, Brandon decides it's time to go home. And friends at this party said for sure he only had one shot and that he was not intoxicated when he left. So now his drive home would have been 30 miles, making it a 34-minute drive back home. So he heads back southeast again, back home. So around 1.15 in the morning, Brandon calls his parents and tells them he drove his car off the road into a ditch. He was okay and nothing was damaged. It was just at the point where his wheels weren't touching the ground, so he couldn't move his car and he asked his parents to come pick him up. He wasn't exactly sure where he was, so he tried to describe what was around him, but this just so happens to be an area that there's really nothing. There's just a whole lot of trees. So when he's trying to describe its he, his location, he's like, well, go past the sycamore and I'm right over here. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not like, oh, there's this house is right here. I'm right across from this house. There's literally nothing. This kind of sounds like one of those instances where I have to explain to Jordan of like, like she tries to give me directions to places and she's like, oh, well, you turn left at Sonic and then it's like a couple houses down. Right. This way. That's this. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Right. Which I get that, especially if you have no idea where you're at. You're like, oh yeah, go past, you know, whatever, some restaurant or, and then it's like four houses down. Right. And so in this instance, he's like, there's literally nothing around. Um, and so he says, so he decides to stay at the car, at his car And he's flashing his lights, hoping that his parents, maybe crossing one of the many dirt roads that are around, would see his lights and they'd be able to find him that way. But his parents are on the phone with him and they're driving around and they're saying that they can't see him. They're not seeing any car. They're not seeing any flashing lights. So Brandon becomes frustrated and says that when he walks down the road a little bit that he can see some lights ahead. He's not quite sure if it's a town but he can see some lights ahead. So he tells his dad that he's going to walk towards it. So he's thinking this is the town of Lynn and he tells his dad to drive there. And he says, I'm pretty sure this is a bar that is over there. So he tells his dad, go meet me at this bar and pick me up in this bar. So since Brandon called his parents, they had stayed on the phone with him this whole time. So, 47 minutes into the phone call, Brandon yells out, oh shit, and then he's silent. Now, like, the phone doesn't hang up, just they can't hear anything. So Brandon's mom hangs up and tries to call back again, but he doesn't pick up. And this is the last time we hear from Brandon. So it's really kind of interesting to me that, like, he thinks that he's in Lind, which is, like, way the crap away from... I mean, based on, you know, in theory, how Google has you going from from Canby to Marshall, like going, going back to his house or apartment or whatever it is, that's a long ways off. So that's one of the weird, I mean, I haven't read through the whole thing yet, but like, that's one of the weird things to me of he's thinks that he's somewhere that he probably isn't even close to. Right. And so that's what we do later, f- figure that out. Um... 
So Brandon's parents call, they call the police the next morning and they label Brandon as a missing person. But at first, police don't really take the situation seriously because of what's happening in Brandon's life at this time. When the parents call and they're like, Brandon hasn't shown back up home, the police pretty much are like, yeah, he went out, he partied, like you said, he's probably drunk somewhere, sleeping at somebody's house, and he just hasn't answered your phone call. So at first, police don't really jump on the case really soon and they don't start searching from him for him right away when police did start searching they started with his phone records first and the first thing they discovered was that brandon was actually in taunton sorry taunton yep. 20 miles north of lind where he thought he was so yes definitely not in the place he thought um, so his parents were searching in the completely wrong area. And that's like roughly, maybe a little bit less than halfway between Canby and Marshall. Right. So, I mean, you know, looking at it too, like, Taunton, Taunton's a pretty small little community. Like, there looks like there's like, you know, maybe 30 houses. So, I could get it, like. And especially out in western Oklahoma, like, you can see for miles and miles and miles. So, like, I could definitely see where he's like, yeah, I see lights up ahead, but heck, he could have been, you know, 10, 10 miles away and from And this it. is an area with trees. I mean, right. they did take pictures of where his car was found, and unlike western oklahoma there are many trees <laughs> there are trees and out there. so that even if there was a house you know in the trees he wouldn't be able to see it so that was um so when police started to search the right location they did up end up finding brandon's car but they saw nothing out of the ordinary like nothing was missing nothing and like it didn't look like people were going through the car like nothing looked wrong by May 15th, they had determined that the last call Brandon was on with his parents happened within five miles of a cell tower. So now it's narrow, narrowing down the search even more. And so this is where they start searching. Ground searches, aerial teams, search dogs, and bloodhounds were all used during the search. And along the area where Brandon went missing is the Yellow Medicine River. So at first, some believed that he could have fallen into the river, but to this day, a body has not been found. And so Brandon's father did say that he does remember Brandon mentioning that Brandon heard running water where he was, but that's all he mentioned. Like, he didn't mention going towards the water, um, so his family didn't think he would be in the water. A search of the river was done anyways, using ground searches, horses, all-terrain vehicles, but nothing was found. The sheriff at this time walked the two miles of the river every day for 30 days, hoping to find something, but he never discovered anything during his search, which I, which I just thought was like a cool little part of that, um, that the sheriff himself is like, yeah, I'll walk up and down this river for an extended amount of time on my own to see if something pops up. So in the fall, searches continued after the fields fields were harvested 
and dogs followed a scent that led to a new area that hadn't been searched before. But in this is so they had to stop searches because of weather and because again this is a lot of land so these are people's lives you know and so in the spring searches began again after the snow melted away but by the time these searches were done over 122 miles had been searched brandon's parents keep their porch lights on to this day in hopes that brandon will find his way home so now let's talk about some theories uh, that people in this area have the first one and pretty much the bigger one is that he drowned that he could have just fallen in the river and it could have just taken his body to a different location um and so the night his body went missing the river was 10 feet deep even though when searches started it was down to six feet so he could have fallen in and could have drowned and then that his body could have been taken down further um, so that's a bigger theory that people have. Another theory is that alcohol could have played a factor. Maybe he was more drunk than anyone thought. And maybe he fell in the woods somewhere and came to the elements and just passed in the woods somewhere. Another one is he could have intentionally disappeared. Brandon's parents believe this to be 100% not true, but it's just kind of always a theory people have when there's a missing person is that maybe they just up and left. Um, and then the last theory is that foul play was involved. Maybe someone picked him up or maybe someone hit him um, and instead of leaving his body there, took him somewhere else. And so maybe that's why he, the last thing his parents heard is him screaming out, um, and so that's another theory that people have. So kind of just my thoughts. So like number one, obviously kind of seems like the most, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but like seems like the most likely on this one. I mean, cause I kind of traced it and that, that river goes for a long way. Right. It's not just a little branch of something else. It, it carries for a long time and especially if there was running water and it being 10 foot deep, that river's going to be flowing pretty good. So, like, he definitely would not have been anywhere close to where, if he would have fell in around that where that bridge is, kind of northwest of town in Taunton, there's no way that he, I mean, he could have moved many miles downriver. Right. Um. Now, alcohol, like, I definitely could see, like, one and two being a combination. You know what I mean? Right. Of, like, he's a, more drunk than what he thinks he is. And, you know, if he's walking and then he slips into the river and then... Because, like, most of the time, like, your phone would, especially back then, like, your phone would stay on for a while before True. it would disconnect. True. Because it's not like now where you're, you drop your iPhone in the water and then it's instantly just you know goner instantly gone and then the third one's like honestly the least likely for me right like I don't know like why you would like just instantly like oh yeah I'm just gonna disappear now like 
there's well just it's just i'm going to call my parents and say hey can you come get me just kidding i'm gone you yeah. know yeah and like and th- and that's what makes the most sense to me i mean i can understand that theory because he's like oh yeah i'm down there uh, where in, in lind like oh yeah i, I see the lights and i mean like you can kind of pick up on like hints of like okay maybe he was but that that one seems like the most unlikely to me right right and then the foul play one that's one's kind of like it doesn't really make like it just doesn't make sense i just i don't like yes drowning is a good theory but i think if he like first off he tells his parents I'm going down the road a little bit. Oh, I see lights. I'm going to walk towards the lights. Which means he's on the road, nowhere near the water. So then I don't think that's a good theory. And then also, when he yells, his parents don't mention, and then we heard a big splash. I feel like if he did fall into the river, you'd be able to hear that and so the fact that his parents don't mention anything like that and that it doesn't even come to their mind to even mention anything that brandon says anything about water until the search is narrowed and then brandon's dad is like oh well he mentioned hearing running water um so i think probably but then again i mean i'm contradicting myself because i'm like they didn't hear a big splash so my first instinct was that any kind of sort of foul play was involved. But then also, like you said, his parents would have probably heard that on the phone also. So I guess I'm contradicting myself. Um, but the fact that a body hasn't been found and that nothing has been found, that's why, and that's the only reason why I think maybe foul play was involved and somebody up and took his body into another uh, place. That's the only reason why I think foul play might be it. Yeah, well, and you also go back to now of obviously I'm still learning things, but like the whole Brian Laundry deal of like they found like decomposed body and he's, you know, only been supposedly he was only dead for like two weeks. Like if he's sitting out there in water, you know what I mean? Right. Like if that's all that it takes, I mean, clearly he would be you know, completely, well, not completely, but decomposed enough to where you're not going to find anything. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this is this is definitely one of the more um, strange outcomes of and I mean, a, I, a missing person one we've covered. I mean, that's why still is a missing person. Is right. Because people are like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> um. But yeah, TikTok loves to share missing people cases. Um, And so my list of those cases are growing. And so this is one of those that's just, there's not a whole lot here, which makes it a difficult case. Because I feel like other missing people cases, you can kind of look at it and you can kind of create your own theory. But this is one of those that you look at it and there's just not a whole lot to work with so it's harder to come up with a theory um so that's why episode 40 being able to put out brandon's putting out brandon's name and putting out his story 
um, is important. Um, but also it's one of those that it's hard to determine oh, what yeah. happened. Yep. So that's episode 40. We're going to take a break and we'll come back with Steven's Corner. Oh, it'll be a good one this week. So this is Steven's Corner that we're about to do. He's really excited about it. Um, he just said that this would be... This is Stephen's crime, is what he said this was. Okay, so, well, we'll not see. exactly. We'll see. Okay, so I'm going to start out with my question like I always had okay. before. Okay, number one, if you um, committed a crime, <laughs> you know, something like, you, like you're like you walking away with money, okay? Okay. And you were able to get away with it. The, this is like a, like a two-part question. Number one, what would you change your name to? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought about this. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I've always liked the name Brittany. Like as a kid, I always liked the name Brittany. So Brittany, and I'd probably pick some generic last like Johnson name. Johnson or yeah. Smith or something like that. Okay. And then number two. So like, if you could, like where like just for example, the United the 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 forty eight states mm-hmm. of the United States. Where would you like? Where would what state would you move to? And if you know a city, like, oh, um, me and my sister just went to Washington, and I'm now on my Washington kick, and already want to go back. So right now, I would go to Washington. I don't know if I would have an exact town or city in mind. Just Washington in general. Okay. So basically, so. This, just to me, this is the ultimate crime. That's how I phrased it earlier, by the way. Not my crime. <laughs> um, so, Thomas Randell of, um, basically, this guy, it's it's just wild. So, um, I'm just going to kind of read the article from Boston Globe. And it was, he says, um, basically, the, the people that knew uh, Tom Randell in Linfield, Massachusetts, he was just a regular guy, um, a golfer, car enthusiast. Um, his wife worked out of town, and they owned a just a you know modest little home on a on a cul-de-sac. But Randell had a secret, something he had been hiding for fifty-two years. Wow. Okay, so I did not. Whenever I this story popped up, and I was like, oh yeah, this, this is kind of cool. I did not realize what happened. I thought it was just like, oh, he killed somebody like you know fifty-two years ago. No, no, no. So, unknown to the you know roughly thirteen thousand residents in the in the suburb north of Boston, Randell was one of the most wanted fugitives in the country. So, back in on November twelfth, authorities publicly revealed that Randell was actually Ted Conrad, who in nineteen sixty nine pulled off a bank robbery in Cleveland, and he has been on the lam ever since. Okay. So for 52 years, this guy has heist, you know, whatever, heisted, you know, robbed a bank and has gotten away with it ever since. So um, just before he died this year in May, he gave a, and this is just one of those, like, it's wild. He gave a deathbed confession to his family, letting them know the truth, who he really was. 
but it wasn't until his death notice uh, was published that investigators put it all together. Well, yeah. So, um, it, it you know, and so basically, at, according to the U.S. Marshals, uh, he, Conrad worked uh, as a teller at the Society National Bank in Cleveland. And his last day on the job was July 11th, 1969. It was the day after his 20th birthday. After, or at the end of his shift, he walked out with a paper bag containing $215,000, which is roughly $1.6 million today, <laughs> and was never seen again. Also, it wasn't until uh, he didn't show up to work on Monday morning that the bank realized that all that money was missing. And where was he living? He was, like, north of Boston. Wow. So, and he, so basically, you know, it just says he, Conrad pulled off one of the biggest bank robberies in Cleveland history, and he had a two-day head start to make his escape. I mean, that helps. But they're also, when did this happen? Like, in 1969. So, like... So I guess they wouldn't have, I mean, obviously they don't have the technology we have today. Um, that today, I feel like if you did something like that, you'd literally have to go out in the middle of nowhere um, to a town that has no advanced technology. Like you wouldn't be able to just go to Boston because Boston has so many cameras around. And so you're going to get caught on something and then they're going to find you, you know. And so... I guess if I were to commit a big crime like this, I would literally move out to Montana, hello, you know, Yellowstone it up and live on a farm for the rest of my life instead of just going to a, a big city like that. Well, and, and obviously, you know, technology is not near what it was back then right. compared to now. But like if there is just to me, there's just no way you could do that now. No, 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 no. But basically, so. He was, I'm trying to find it back here in this article, but basically he'd worked at, um, you know, like he worked as a golf coach and like all just like kind of these like random, let's see, uh, assistant golf pro teaching, golf pro and teaching pro at basically the Pembroke Country Club and played on the professional winter tour in Florida in the off season. And then he later became the full-time manager of the country club. That is just it's wild. Like, how in the world do you just be like, all right, I'm this person now. Right. Like, it, and I know, like, a lot of it, too, is, like, things were easier to, um, like, you could forge stuff easier back then. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you could, like, you could probably easily, or, wow, that's hard for me right. to say. Like, you could, you know more easily you know make uh, driver's license birth certificates you know stuff like that i mean but now you know i went to go get my new driver's license and i got the real id deal and it was like okay bring proof of that you live here and you know so i had to bring like bills and my actual birth certificate and all that kind of stuff so it's it's just it's crazy to me that he, like he had a, a wife and a daughter too does it say anything? I mean, my and then my mind goes to like he's on his deathbed and he's like, "I did this thing." Do his family? Did his family get punished? 
I mean, not not that I've seen. I mean, like, I mean, but that's just curiosity. I I think they would, but just I don't know. Like, I don't know if you'd be able to just on your deathbed be like, I did this in my life and I did this and I got away with it. Okay, bye, and you're dead. And then people are just like, okay, well, I guess we found our guy. You know. Well, and and the the uh, the U.S. Marshal guy that was kind of chasing him said. Uh, Conrad was obsessed with the 1968 bank robbery film, The Thomas Crown Affair, starring Steve McQueen. So basically, he's, they, they go on to say, the marshals said, he saw that movie more than half a dozen times and bragged to his friends that he could take money from a bank, too. I mean, he did. He sure did, and he, it's it's wild, too. And, and kind of the last line in that says, um, the U.S. Marshal guy that was kind of in charge of this case was uh, he said in quote but i think he regretted it at the end the sad part is now he's got a family or he's got a family now and they're carrying his fictitious name uh right i'm like golly but i mean that's just it's so crazy to me that there's finally one that we can mark up for the he, he got away with it all along yeah wow wow well there you go Steven's Corner. <laughs> Something like that. And that's episode 40. Um, so you get a good pace. We got a good Steven's Corner. And that's episode 40. So, like always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting us. Sorry about l- missing last week. Um, I've got my car back. So we will not. No more deer in our future, hopefully. We hope. Um. And so make sure to follow all of us on social media at Crimology Pod. We've got an email. If you've got any suggestions of any kind, you can email us crimologypod at gmail.com. Um, like always, this is Sam. This is Steven. And this is Crimology. Crimology.